Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostic industry. My name is Omar Ford, and I am the host of Let's Talk MedTech. I'm also editor-in-chief of MDDI, an online publication dedicated to the betterment of the MedTech professional owned by Informa. On this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, we're going to be speaking with EY's global MedTech leader, Jim Welch, about EY's recent report, Pulse of the MedTech Industry. We're going to be talking about trends in the industry, and we're also going to be talking about the health of the MedTech industry. So it's an incredible conversation. And without further ado, let's just dive right on in. Let's talk MedTech with EY's Jim Welch. Well, Jim, welcome back to Let's Talk MedTech. How are you? Excellent, Omar. I'm great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me back. I mean, it's always a great time when we talk, right? I mean, we just talk so much about the industry, and I love the conversations that we have. But let's jump right on in and discuss the pulse of the industry report. Uh, for the uninitiated, can you kind of describe what the report is and, and how long you've been doing it? Sure. Happy to do it. So pulse of the industry is EY's um, annual MedTech report. We've been doing it now. This is our 17th year of uh, writing the report. It started off early days, um, really tracking the M&A and transactions in the industry. So how the capital was flowing and, and over the time has evolved kind of beyond just um, those types of discussions from a data perspective, but also broader trends in the industry. Uh, we've talked about different competitive forces from outside the industry and how they're impacting. And obviously, um, certainly the impact of digital health and the changes in the healthcare system and delivery. So pretty wide ranging, but but very focused on the impacts of both um, internal and external forces on the medtech industry. So 17 years uh, and running. This year is a good example of uh, what we call the teenage years of uh, of the pulse of the industry. So. Wow. It's basically, uh, I feel like it's a, a check of the health of the medtech industry. And, you know, with that being said, would you say, based on the results from this year's report, that the industry is fit, sick, doing well? I mean, how would you classify the industry now? You know, it's a it's a really great question. And uh, there's so many competing kind of dimensions that we look at when we do the analysis. But essentially, from a from a health perspective, the industry, I think, is still could continue to be healthy, despite a lot of external forces that are Kind of pushing against it in a negative way, so maybe I'd say uh, healthy in a in a bit of a turbulent weather environment around it would probably be my answer to that. Um, and we look at that by by looking at certain um, data and and performance metrics. So if you if we look at uh, in 2022, revenue grew in the industry six percent, so a good number uh, mid single digits. Revenues were similar in the first half of this year as well, uh, maybe even a little bit ahead of expectations. So numbers are pretty good. R&D spending grew 8%, so continues on a really good pace from an R&D perspective. And the industry returned about um, a record of $27, $28 billion to shareholders. So from a health perspective, um, very strong. Now, not as big as some of the numbers we saw coming out of the pandemic, um, but we look at those as a little bit of a one-time yeah. thing. Um, so health-wise, uh, pretty good. On the financing side, uh, maybe not as healthy, right? Equity financing went down, VC investment is down, um, M&A's been pretty quiet, 
uh, but a lot of those have to do with macro factors. In, in 2022, we saw the special purpose acquisition corporation merger cycle cool off. That's the, the SPAC cycle, right? Mm-hmm. We saw yep. that um, cool off and we saw that spinoffs were definitely uh, the way to go for many med tech companies. And I believe the, the term at the time was the spin was in. Um, is that still the case? Do we still see spinoffs as being prevalent in 2023? We do, yes. As my colleague John Babbitt likes to say, the spin is in. Um, and it's so still the spin in. is still in. The spin <laughs> is still in, without a doubt. Yeah. Now, part of that's due to the fact that the um, spins uh, don't happen overnight. So they take a while to get done and to effectuate. So um, so there's still some active spins um, that have been you know publicly announced in the marketplace. So uh, but without a doubt, it is definitely a lever that the industry is using um, to unlock, you know, capital to create different pools of investors for different product sets. And as the larger conglomerates look at their portfolios, it's definitely a mechanism to create value not only for the companies themselves, but obviously for patients and for the healthcare system. So uh, the spin is definitely in. There's a couple active. Right now, it uh, publicly announced at 3M and, and Baxter for sure. Obviously, GE Healthcare did their big spin yeah. um, last year. So, without a doubt, it's a it's a it's it's a successful mechanism, and it's one that I think we'll continue to see in the industry. And if you roll the clock back, Omar, a few years we did a CY and Goldman Sachs did a study um, across industries, not just in med tech, and uh, it was pretty clear after looking in depth at about 150, 160 transactions that. That kind of post-spin, uh, a couple of years after the spin, the performance of the of the spun organizations um, tracks even higher than most of the the uh, market indices. So the the performance is there and uh, the track record is there. So I think the spin will still be in to the extent uh, there's opportunities in the portfolios. I, I want to go now and, and talk a little bit about IPOs, and I want to get an outlook of where we stand with IPOs in 2023. Uh, how would you characterize that landscape? Uh, it, it, I, I mean, I can only assume, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I mean, I kind of know the answer already with this, but um, based on re- the research and the study, where are we at with IPOs in 2023? Yeah, the the market is is down significantly. Yeah. On venture, um, I think IPOs are down over ninety percent. So, um, it really, really, the market itself has just come to a standstill. Now, mm-hmm. you know, the hope is there'll be we'll see a, maybe a couple still yet this year potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that part of of the industry and the activity there is is certainly a, a challenge one. And it's really the broader economic climate. Um, a lot of things going on around the world, obviously creating some uh, uncertainty. So, you know, they're, they're really, investors are really pri- prioritizing strategic financing to to manage deal activity, not as much on the IPO front. So, um, yeah, it's uh, not what we're used to seeing, but, uh, but certainly a sign of the times. Sure. So uh, I was thumbing through the report. Uh, well, let me not say thumbing because you were reading it intensely i i think you were meant to say right? yes 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 (laughs) um i was looking at the report and i i noticed that we were talking about the digitalization in med tech and that it was the unfinished uh, revolution i want to talk a bit about that for a second what's happening in digital health as it pertains to med tech 
And maybe before that, maybe we can just get a clear definition of digital health. You know, you and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. before, but I feel as if digital health is like a broad and all-encompassing term. It is. It's, it absolutely is. And I'm not sure I could give a, a clear <laughs> definition of it because I've heard so many out there. But yeah. I guess the, the extent, the, the place that that we like to start with it is really about um, on the care delivery side, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, the move inside of of how patients are treated and where they're treated and some of the changes going on there. So we we call it EY, the Intelligent Health Ecosystem, which is an evolution over time and has been for the past few years from kind of digital, you know, fairly simply analog care, kind of the basics that we're all kind of grew up with, digitized care, connected care, you know, leveraging sensors and connected technology to share information both in and outside of the health record. But really, the the intelligent health ecosystem, which which is what we believe kind of the view of digital health is, is really an integrated, personalized, patient-centered care model. It combines both virtual and physical care, uh, and it's leveraging um, technologies like AI and 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 large data um, sets to to optimize decision making and to share data as seamlessly as possible across many different platforms. So. Um, the delivery of health in a digital way is really you know, what we're talking about here. Digital health can be care, you know, companies call themselves digital health companies, but it all, you know, all rolls into the concept of being highly patient centric, um, not location dependent, and an ability to communicate information and data to make better decisions and drive better outcomes um, in a connected manner. Speaking of digital health. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking a deep breath for this. You know where I'm going. Let's jump into AI, artificial intelligence. What's happening with AI? I know that's a broad question. And what do you see your clients or, or, or companies in the space doing to embrace it? Or are they embracing it? What uh, they about it? Yeah. yeah, they're absolutely embracing it. Uh, in fact, at the, at the MedTech conference um, last week that I don't think there was a panel discussion or a session that did not conclude something to do with AI. So wow. it's certainly the talk of all the events, and I'm sure at the events that you've gone to is probably pretty similar. Yes. Point. So um, I guess at a, at a high level, um, you know, what we talked about the the evolution to to a connected, more connected ecosystem of care, intelligent health ecosystem. Um, AI and technologies like that under that umbrella, machine learning and others. I mean, the time is now for those technologies to have a tremendous impact in the delivery of what will be the future care model. So think about AI inside of the actual products that that our medtech companies design and and develop um, Mm -hmm. and leveraging that. And obviously the FDA is approved, you know, close to 500 um, AI or machine learning enabled um, medtech devices in the last few years. So um, from a regulatory perspective, it's becoming well accepted that this technology is um, is effective um, from a from a device perspective. If you if you broaden the lens even further, uh, leveraging AI to help operate supply chains for medtech companies, to help operate their core processes, to help them communicate with um, their customers and their patients to help them in training and and all aspects of the business. It, it's certainly the, the possibilities are endless. 
and the ability to understand the technology, have skills to support the technology in your companies is becoming incredibly, incredibly vital. So AI, it's, you know, it, it has the ability to change lots of things for a positive manner, and it will, it will create a significant amount of investments. Uh, I think um, when we we talked about AI at the event a little bit, Omar, and mm. you know, we heard things about you know the values in the workflow. We heard things about digital being kind of the new frontier. We heard about AI having its its iPhone moment. I thought that was an interesting yeah. uh, way to describe it. Um, but really, I think it's it's an ability from a technology standpoint to really focus on the problems, the challenges, the areas of efficiency that that certainly we can drive. Uh, across the platform. So it's really, in my mind, not about the technology itself, but it's about how the technology can help us deliver outcomes in a better way, patient experience more effectively, potentially drive down costs in the system. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you've got a lot of stress on clinicians right now. And can AI help them um, be more effective in their work and maybe ease some of that burden? Um, and lastly, and probably most importantly, is, is are these technologies able to create opportunities to provide for us to provide um, our um, therapies and services across a, a much more equitable equitable range of um, of healthcare patients oh, that that makes perfect sense and you know I remember a, a few years ago the big conversation was uh, around data mm-hmm. um, are we having are we having a data overload is there too much data? out there that's just going to smother uh, clinicians. So with AI and especially machine learning applications that can sit through some of this data and help and aid them, that kind of, you know, solves that issue. you know, we can now have meaningful data or and we can do it in a, and we can get it and obtain it in a way that won't take forever, you know, so. Absolutely, make, absolutely, yeah. yeah, I fully agree with that. I think that that perspective is spot on. I mean, we're, now we can can make sense of all that and, um, and, and create the decisions we need from the data and the information we need to, to facilitate those decisions. So fully agree. Sure, let, let, let's switch over now and talk a little bit about the supply chain. Um, do we still have uh, supply chain issues today, and and what are some of those key issues if we have them? Well, I still I, I still think there's you know there's still challenges in in some aspects of the supply chain, but but given where we were a year ago or yeah. eight months ago, it, it's vastly different. So we we feel that a lot of those pressures have waned. Um, a lot of the areas where there were significant issues from a backlog perspective to um, have been ease um, just given the ability to produce more. So, you know, from a from that standpoint, um, it was a huge concern. Um, the costs in the supply chain still, just given inflation, are 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 still certainly there. So there's still a cost element to it. But from a, an availability standpoint, I think uh, we hope that we're past the the worst of it. I think from a supply chain perspective, if you talk to many of the med tech companies that we work with. Um, Right now, they're, what they're looking to do is take kind of the lessons learned of going through this pain that we've mm-hmm. all gone through um, <laughs> and how can they build more reliability in the supply chain, more resiliency in their supply chain? How do they have better visibility to all the suppliers in that supply chain all the way down to the, the smallest component part? Um, and how can they drive more efficiency again, as I said earlier, using some advanced technology? So, you know, the time is now to create some investments in the supply chain. 
based on those lessons learned. But, you know, the hopes is the the worst is hopefully behind us. Do you see um, nearshoring as being something maybe that, that a lot of companies are talking about? I know I was um, listening to a panel at MDNM Minneapolis last week, and one of the things that was discussed was nearshoring and how um, medtech companies are, you know, they're, they, they want they want their product uh, developed and manufactured a little bit closer to them now, you know, with everything, with all the variables that that are coming up, with the unpredictability that came out of the pandemic, you know, they want to remove some of that and have everything much closer. I mean, do, do we hear a lot of chatter about nearshoring? Or- yeah, there's been there's definitely been talking about that across, you know, multiple kind of areas, the categories of the, of the industry overall. And I think it, it really is, is to your point, um, wanting to have um, products in production closer to where um, our customers and patients are, um, thinking about um, doing scenario planning on if there are issues in one particular geographic location uh, that come up, how do we facilitate, um, you know, putting more production in other places to offset that. So. I think um, I think nearshoring will continue to be a, a topic of conversation, but really it's it's a matter of from a macro view of you know do you have the right balance of of supply and right balance of production across multiple areas of the globe, and then how do you how can you respond if there's an issue in one area and and support from the others? Let's talk all things China. Okay. Um, is it truly one of the hottest growing markets uh, right now in medtech? And um, are there any potential barriers to entry? Well, there are definitely barriers to entry, but from a growth perspective, it, it's absolutely continued to be one of the most important areas for growth. I think um, the latest numbers that I saw is the market itself is expected to grow uh, between 8 and 9% uh, per year. So that's, uh, you take about a $45 billion market in 2022, and that'll get you up to about $70 billion in 2027. So yes, the, wow. the growth is is definitely there from a from a market perspective. Um, the challenges obviously are for, for a lot of organizations is, is how uh, everyone operates in China is a little bit different than in other areas. So um, there's a lot of regulatory um, changes that have come into play. There's the overall economic plans of the country itself and how healthcare fits into that equation. Um, and certainly their their push um, to to gear you know towards their homegrown companies, right? To manufacture some of these emerging technologies. So you have a highly growing marketplace, one that's obviously um, has some barriers to to how you everyone can operate in it. Plus some local um some local uh, um uh, regulations and companies that are growing quickly. So um, it's a really important market for the industry, but it's also one that um, some lessons learned over time and companies have to be fully committed to to how they operate there. It's going to be an interesting run. I think the value-based procurement, um, folks have a better sense of what that looks like and are starting to operate effectively in there. So that's certainly one of those cases. I, I, I want to talk about where we're going in 2024. So are there any predictions or or is there any outlook that you can give maybe based off of uh, some things that we saw in the report? What does it look like? What does it look like 2024 will be for MedTech? Uh, That's an interesting question. (laughs) Um, 
I wish I could predict, but I'm not sure I would have predicted 2023 and 2022. So um, <laughs> a couple of things that we look at, Omar, to, hmm. to be as an indicator. So number one, obviously, is um, you look at R&D. R&D fuels our industry, right? Mm-hmm. And we're innovation-based. And um, the continued increase in R&D spending and the consistent growth of that, I think, is, uh, you know, we expect it to pay off. And and it, and certainly um, that's a sign of health in the industry, right? We talked about the advanced technology and AI and all these technologies that are coming into play um, to drive efficiencies and, and better outcomes. As those continue to become more um, further developed, more um, embedded in the industry, I think there's opportunities for growth there. So we see even more of that happening in 2024. Um, Some of the headwinds, obviously, from a supply chain perspective that we talked about, hopefully will continue to um, abate and allow us to create more growth. Um, And I do think the industry in 2024 will look at um, some really interesting strategic partnerships on a on a digital health perspective. So again, how medtech is so critically important to the industry overall, but as the industry evolves to a more connected environment, medtech is, you know, we're the ones that can can drive a lot of that connectivity. So um, I think those are things that that look toward us, um, you know, a positive 2024. Um, I think the other thing, Omar, that's, that's really interesting to continue to look at is um, there are, so many innovations that are now going directly to patients, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, med tech is becoming, um, in some areas of the industry, uh, a direct-to-consumer industry, which it hasn't been in the past. Yeah. So yeah. I think that opens a really interesting topic of um, not only opportunities for our current med techs, but certainly new entrants into the into the space and how we're partnering with you know, retailers and other kind of consumer-driven um, channels. So um, a lot of that's exciting, and I think that'll definitely keep us busy in 2024. Yeah, yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting year. Well, yeah, well, Jim, thanks for coming on to Let's Talk MedTech. It's always a pleasure having you here. Um, I enjoy our conversations. Omar, it's great to uh, to join you with this, and, and, and thank you for the opportunity. And uh, we're happy to come back whenever, whenever it Makes good sense, and uh, and certainly uh, we love to to hear uh, all the things that you talk about on the podcast across uh, all the many dimensions of the industry. So thank you. That's it for this episode of Let's Talk MedTech. Thanks once again to our guest, Jim Welch, EY's global medtech leader. For more content like the Let's Talk MedTech podcast and all the news on the MedTech and diagnostic industry, please be sure to check us out at mddionline.com. That's mddionline.com. And please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Let's Talk MedTech on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast.